said the importance of saying yes. Y'all remember that? Did that stick? Yes or no? Yeah, it's stuck. Okay, so, so I've always invited you to come back on Sunday night. I've always said, man, I wish I'd come back Sunday night. And we have a good group comes back on Sunday night. But you never know what might happen on a Sunday night if you were to come back. And so last Sunday, if you weren't here, you missed a blessing because we had a special guest piano player last Sunday night. Y'all know who I'm talking about? Brother Ray Ganey blessed us with a, a medley, and it was awesome. So if you weren't here, you missed it. And, and maybe when, when Jason gets it up on the Internet, you, know, you can uh, go back and watch that, and then probably you'll be getting some calls from Nashville for Brother Ray. But, <laughs> but anyhow, it's going to be, it was awesome. And I appreciate Brother Ray for saying yes, not to me, but to Pam. He said yes to Pam because Pam asked him. And uh, I think he was obedient servant, and it was a blessing. It blessed our hearts. And thank you, Brother uh, Ray, for doing that for us last Sunday. So we have been talking, and, and you know that this is the Christmas season, and we started right after Thanksgiving working on the Christmas story because the Christmas story, now, if you there's one week to Christmas. If you haven't done your Christmas shopping, you're running out of days, okay? Next Sunday is it. If you had not got it done, you're going to be in trouble comes uh, Monday morning. But anyhow, that's between you and the missus, okay, or the mister, whatever. But anyhow, so let me talk to you just for a second. We talked about the Christmas story. Next Sunday, we'll be, we'll be doing the Christmas story where, where we specifically about the birth of Jesus. But every Sunday till then, we've talked about events that have been taking place up to Christmas. We've been doing on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights about the nativity. And I've preached several passages from the Old Testament and the New Testament about the events that take place that are part of the Christmas story. And we're going to do the same thing this morning. We're going to get into God's Word again this morning. Over the last several weeks, we have been looking at some important visits that Gabriel has made and some announcements that he has made. Gabriel has come and spoke to different people throughout history. He's brought God's message. And the key about Gabriel speaking is that he speaks with authority. He speaks because he's speaking on behalf of God Almighty. And that's the thing about his words. God's messenger made several announcements. And these announcements had some vital messages inside of them. Many times in, in Scripture you see that the messenger comes. It's not the messenger who, who is important, but the message that he brings. Now, that's with the exception of Jesus Christ. When he brought a message, he was just as important as the message. And with each of the messages and each of the visits that we've talked about and each of the visits that Gabriel has come forth with, the announcement he's come for, they've been some vital issues that he's talked about. He has brought forth information about miracles that were going to take place and lives were going to change as a result of it. Now, you know, when God moves, lives change. When God comes inside of us, when the Holy Spirit empowers us, when he comes inside of us, lives change. When you hear the word of God, people change, lives change. And what takes place is a miracle of God. Now, we're going to talk this morning about miracles because miracles is what's taking place 
all the way through the Christmas story. It is one big miracle. It's one plan that God had to bring the Savior of the world into this world to reconcile people back to himself. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Lives are changed. We know that how we respond to God's direction is critical. We know when God asks us to do something, how we respond is critical. Just like when we say yes to what he's called us to do. When he asks us to teach. When he asks us to preach. When he asks us to go out and witness. To share the gospel. To minister to people. To feed the hungry. The way we respond is very critical. Now let's look at some announcements in the history. Gabriel's visit to Zechariah resulted in Zechariah questioning the message that Gabriel had brought to Zechariah. Questioning the word of God. Man, can you imagine questioning the word of God? Can you imagine questioning the authority that's in God's word? Saying, how in the world is this going to take place? Gabriel had a result of some consequences that he had to endure. Now, Gabriel's second announcement to Mary was completely different. Resulted in her questioning, but the fact that she had a desire to understand what Gabriel was telling her. Not that she was doubting the fact of what he was telling her, but she didn't comprehend it. She didn't quite understand it. She asked, how in the world am I going to be pregnant? Because throughout what I've been taught, the way this world has been created and the way that things have happened to this point, it's not possible unless there's something that takes place beyond what I understand. And so that's what she's asking about. Gabriel gave her a straightforward answer, which was definitely not something that Mary had ever heard of before. You think about it. To this point, no one had ever experienced a virgin birth. It was not even heard of. It was not talked about. They, there was, it was no way that it could take place and so he gives us a straightforward answer and what we see in Mary's response is the way that she answered the question and the way that she answered the statement that Gabriel gave her after the explanation Mary seems to just accept the answer she didn't question it anymore she just seemed to accept it the scripture teaches us that sometime between this visit and the moment that she visits her relative Elizabeth the, the Holy Spirit conceives the Son of God inside of Mary's womb. We don't know exactly when it takes place. From the time Gabriel visits her until the time she goes to visit Elizabeth, at some point in this period of time, Jesus Christ, the life is formed inside of her womb. Amen? Man, God creates life. The minute of conception, God creates life. Life is there from that point on. Y'all with me? The power of God through the presence of the Holy Spirit makes it happen. The one who generates life, generates life in her womb. This child that she's going to carry is the holy child, the one that she's going to have to take care of, the one that she's going to have responsibility of raising, the one that she's going to have to feed and nurture and bring up. It's going to be the holy one of God. The angel concludes by telling her, this is important. Luke 1, 37 says this, all things are possible with God. The word of God will never fail. If you don't know anything else, if you don't remember anything past Wednesday of this week about what I'm preaching this morning, remember this. All things are possible with God, and the word of God will what? Never fail. It never failed. It won't let you down. No matter what you're dealing with, no matter how hard it is in your life, no matter how you've lost individuals this year, no matter what has taken place in your life, no matter if you're struggling with finances or not struggling with finances, relationships, the word of God will never fail. He said, I'll go with you always, never leave you. 
Mary was a young Jewish girl with significant spiritual maturity. We know she was young in her teens. We know she was early in her teens, but she had some significant spiritual maturity. Now, in this particular time in history, girls weren't educated the same way boys were. Isn't that a disgrace? Amen. Boys had to go through Torah school. They had to learn things. They had to learn the Old Testament. Girls were were given duties to do. But this girl, this young Jewish girl, she had spiritual maturity beyond what you can imagine. She simply responds, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said to me happen just the way you say it. Man, just the way you say it. Church, how do you respond when God asks you to do something? That's a question to you. How do you respond when God asks you to do something? Did you know that the way you respond to the way God has asked you to do something has direct effects on the blessings that he has for you? Did you know that? The blessings that God has for you are directly related to how you respond to the things he asks you to do. Throughout history, throughout scripture, there's various responses of God's announcements about birth of some special children. When we go back in history, we look at God has made some announcements. He's told people that they were going to have children when they didn't really believe it. But let's listen to some things here. Abraham's wife, Sarah, she laughed at the thought of becoming pregnant in her old age. That's what she did. When, when God said, I'm going to make you a, a great nation and you're going to have lots of children. And, and Sarah is old in her age. She's barren. She's never had children. She laughed at the thought of this. Zacharias doubted. Sarah laughed, but Zacharias doubted that his wife, Elizabeth, could have a child in her old age. Man, they're old people. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being old because people lived a long time back then. But barren people in old age, it was unheard of for them to have children. But Mary graciously submitted to the will of God in her life. And you think about it. She was just a, a young girl. And she said yes to Jesus. Gabriel visited Joseph and assured him that the child in Mary's womb was the ch- work of the Holy Spirit through the power of the Almighty God. We don't know when Gabriel got that visit, but we know that he got it shortly after Mary got her visit. And he was reassured to take Mary as his wife and that they would, they would bear, she would bear this child and they would raise this child together. Now listen to me. Turning their lives over to God and obeying the instructions that he had for their life was a part of surrender and is a part of obedience. That's what God calls us to do every single day. We have to surrender our lives to him, and then we have to turn it over to obedience to him. And that's what these two individuals did. This morning, we're going to open up God's word and look at yet another important visit that takes place, except this time it's a visit between two people, but not without the presence of the Almighty God present and not without the power of the Holy Spirit present. If you are able Would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word? We'll be in Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. And the title of the message this morning was the the joy of Jesus. And this is all about joy. And you think about it this morning as we read this scripture together. I want you to reflect on that three-letter word, joy. Luke 1, starting in verse 39. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zachariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside of her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she explained with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see... 
When the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in joy inside of me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. (coughs) Pray with me, please. Father God, I ask that you bless the reading of your word. Father, I ask that you cleanse me of every sin. God, I ask that you cleanse me of every impurity. Father, I ask that you hide your servant behind the cross and allow me to deliver your message to your people. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. When we read the story about Jesus Christ in the Gospel of Luke, it's a little bit different than in other Gospels, but it's specific, and I want to give it to you this morning from Luke's perspective about who Luke was. We see that Luke trails a story about Jesus from a very unique perspective. He was a a different type of person. He was a, a Gentile, and he was a physician, and Dr. Luke was one of the first historians of the early church. And it's very important that we see how Luke records this event that takes place. Though Luke was not an eyewitness to the ministry of Jesus Christ, he was very concerned about preserving eyewitness accounts. He wasn't there when it took place. He only had to to gather information. But being a physician, he knew how important it was to gain important information. He was was specifically uh, focused on the fact that we need to uncover the truth. We need to preserve it for the future generations. He wasn't an eyewitness, but he wanted to preserve it for generations to come. We are part of the generations that Luke was preserving that information for. He's thinking about in the future. Dr. Luke was recording this information. God inspired the word of Luke. He told him what to say. He told him what to write down. But at some point, there was going to be a church in in South Grady County named Pine Hill Baptist Church in 2022 that was going to need to hear this exact information. People were going to come together to hear this word. And the truth was important to Luke. And he leaned heavily on eyewitness, eyewitness accounts. Let me tell you something. Truth is important to us. And you find the truth in the Word of God. God's Word is the truth. It's just as important to us. As a physician, he knew the importance of going through and having thorough research. Now, let me tell you something. The Bible encourages you to investigate the things that are found inside of it. Don't take my word for it. Don't take any pastor's word for it or any person's word for it. Investigate it for yourself. Read the Word for yourself. Don't take anybody else's word for it because the thing about it, what you understand, understand about the word of God is a matter of life and death. It's a matter of eternal life. It's a matter of eternal separation. You have to understand it. You need to investigate it for yourself. Each person on this planet has got to make a choice. Man, life is full of choices, but we have to make a choice about where we spend eternity and about how we do with Jesus Christ. Now, let's get to that word of joy. The overall theme of this passage of Scripture this morning is that of joy. The overall theme of the Christmas story is that of joy, the joy of Jesus Christ, the joy of a new baby. We've talked about that this morning. Man, there's some joy in some households where there have been some new babies born this past week. New babies, new life brings joy. There's joy about salvation, the, the results of the Christmas story, the joy of knowing Jesus Christ, the joy of having a relationship with him, the joy of getting excited about his word, about him talking to us and speaking to us and saying how much he loves us and how he wants to draw us to him. Anything more exciting than that? Y'all, y'all getting it? All right. 
Is that Bapticostal enough for you? <laughs> Lord, help me. The Bible says that when Mary entered the house of Elizabeth and Elizabeth heard the voice, the Bible says that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. At that particular instant, the Holy Spirit just filled Elizabeth. Nothing was said other than Mary greeted Elizabeth. She heard the sound of her voice, but the Holy Spirit comes inside of Elizabeth at this very moment. He reveals to Elizabeth, not just that, hey, there's your cousin Mary. What did he reveal to Elizabeth? You're in the presence of the Almighty God. Elizabeth, inside of Mary's womb, is the Son of God. The Holy Spirit has impregnated her with the, with the power of God Almighty. You're standing in the presence of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? He told her all these things at that particular time. We can understand that the presence provided her with this information. Now, let's look at this. The Bible goes on to tell us, not that Mary had not already believed what Gabriel had told us. After all, Mary had been in the presence of an angel. Man, she had stood in the presence of Gabriel. He spoke with authority. She knew he was an angel. She knew what he told her. She knew that she was pregnant and she had not been with the man. Not that she didn't already believe what God said, but the minute Elizabeth speaks to her and what she tells her confirms Mary. It's more of a, a supporting issue. He confirms that you are going to be the mother of Jesus Christ and the, the Messiah is in your womb. Man, this is, this is important stuff. Pay attention with me now. The single most important word that Mary used, I mean, that Elizabeth used for Mary that came out of her mouth was the word blessed. And some people say blessed. It doesn't matter to me. But it means that God has, has blessed. He's found favor upon. All right? He's, he's, he's found favor with her. Now, what he says in there, this is important, ladies. He, she says that you're blessed among women. He didn't say she was blessed above women. Mary wasn't above any other woman that was on this planet. She wasn't above any other Jewish girl, even though she was carrying the Messiah. She was blessed among women. When you think about it, you go back in history. Satan manipulated a woman, and sin entered the world. But when you think about it, God blessed a woman, and the Savior, Jesus Christ, entered the world. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Women are so important. While we don't want to, to give Mary praise that's not hers, that belongs to the God Almighty, we do not want to minimize her place or plan that God had for her because it's so important. The one thing that Elizabeth emphasized about Mary was something that we all need to stand on, and that's faith in Jesus Christ. She was standing on her faith in God Almighty. She, was, she used her faith. She revealed her faith. She said, blessed is she that has believed. Amen. Luke 1, 45. Blessed is she that hath received. We are saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Because Mary believed in the word of God, she experienced the power of God. When you believe in the word of God, it unleashes the power of God. He allows it to, to flow outside of us. That is so important to us. The word of God will never fail. And this is this important statement. Gabriel used this statement. Nothing is possible, impossible with God. That's a great statement and something that each of us need to hold on to today. Now, let's just think about it. Our world is in turmoil and divided like never before. I mean, you think about it. This world we're living in is in turmoil like never before. Our government seems to be looking for answers in every book other than the Bible. We've got elected officials passing laws that contradict the word of God. Man, we need to make sure that we're putting officials in there that take care of the Word of God. We do, they do this because we're living in a broken world. I just stuck that in there because it was on my heart. They said, don't do politics in the pulpit. 
You've got to know where I stand. You know where I stand on, on the birth. You know where I stand on the conception. You know where I stand when, when God breathes life into the womb where that is. That is a human life. And you know how I stand on that. But what we read in this word of God in our verse of scripture this morning is a miracle performed by God. There's no use in trying to offer some earthly explanation about what takes place in the Bible. There's no use of offering some kind of uh, biological or scientific explanation about what took place in Mary's womb because it's strictly a miracle from Jesus Christ. You cannot explain the God who has no limitations with a brain that has limitations. Amen? You can either believe what's happened in the Word of God or you don't believe it. It's just that simple. It's not, it's black and white. You either believe it or you don't believe it. The Bible is the inspired word of God. It's accurate. It's true. It's without error. The Bible says it's God-breathed. It's useful for teaching. It's useful for correction. It's useful for guidance and direction. And that's what we lean on it for. Let me caution you to be leery of people who try to be an intellectual and try to explain the miracles of the Bible. We talked about that just recently. Miss Marion shared something with me at Wednesday night, and our, our group Wednesday night about that. Let me caution you to be very leery about someone that tries to give you an earthly explanation about a miracle that's found in the word of god what we read throughout these verses of scriptures describe the christmas story is strictly a miracle the bible says that elizabeth was filled with the spirit and that her unborn baby leaped inside of her womb now you think about this the baby can you talk, the mothers talk to the, the children as they're growing up right and the, the father gets down and he talks to the stomach of the, of the y'all do that well, you want them to hear your voice, right? Daniel, you will do that eventually, okay? But anyhow, just think about it. Now, when, when Mary enters the womb, John the Baptist turns a flip inside of Elizabeth's womb. The presence of the Holy Spirit filled Elizabeth. At the same time, the Holy Spirit revealed to her the presence of the Son of God. And Elizabeth responded by acknowledging Mary that she was indeed in the presence of Jesus Christ. Now, even before the birth... Of John the Baptist, he rejoiced about Jesus Christ just as he did in his earthly ministry. John the Baptist was an important forerunner for Jesus Christ. Six months older than Jesus for, for give or take a little bit, but he was the forerunner. He rejoiced before he was born in Christ, and he rejoiced about Christ afterwards. John the Baptist was a kind of a strange character. If you know about John the Baptist, you know he was a little bit on the strange side, right? That was a soft word I used. I was thinking, about what would I call John the Baptist? Weird? Huh? Would y'all call him weird? He was strange. The way he dressed was strange. The food he ate was strange. His message was different than any other message that people had heard, but yet he was drawing people to himself. Let me give you three things that John the Baptist lived by, three things that pastors need to live by, three things we need to live by. He made the straight, the way of the Lord, prepare the way of our Lord, and then get out of the way of the Lord. Amen? It's not about what you do it's, it, other than what God has challenged you to do. He's asked you to share the gospel. can't save anybody. Once you share the gospel with somebody, once you preach the word, you need to get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit do the work because he's the one that does all the work. Amen? Just like Mary, Elizabeth was a remarkable person. Mary was a remarkable person, but Elizabeth is a remarkable person too. She, the Bible says that she walked with God. That, that Zacharias walked with God, but yet Zacharias had some doubt in his life, but this a little bit different for Elizabeth. She had faith while her husband Zechariah, the priest of many years, did not. Zacharias was struck silent with his unbelief. Elizabeth was not. She believed God. She believed what he said he would do, that she would have a child in her old age, and she knew what he had done for Mary. Now, 
she had the opportunity to encourage Mary. This is some important stuff right here. She had the opportunity to encourage Mary. That's what older, wiser women do for younger women. Amen? That's what older, wiser men are supposed to do with younger men. I mean, you got to share that knowledge. you got to share that wisdom. you got to invest in other people. Elizabeth had walked with God for many years, and she assured Mary that she would be with her, that the, that the fulfillment of God's promises would come to, to fulfillment, that she would fulfill that, and she revealed it to her. Elizabeth was only a woman, just like Mary was only a woman, but Mary needed the encouragement that Elizabeth had to offer. And she needed it. That's why she went to visit her. That's why God directed her to go into her path. That's why God prepared Elizabeth to speak to her. Because she needed that encouragement. It's easy to look at what God did to Mary and overlook what God did for Mary. Now, this is important. The fact that God did something to Mary and and not what he did for her. We want to make sure we understand that. To begin with, God saved Mary, which indicates Mary was a sinner just like me and you. She's a sinner just like me and you. She was born for sinful nature. She had walked favor. She found favor with God, but she was still a sinner. She was still bound and destined for hell without Jesus Christ, and she needed to trust the Lord for her eternal salvation. Now, not only had God saved her from, for, from sin, he also chose her to be the mother of the Messiah. He, he found favor upon her. He regarded her. That's what it says in the Bible. He regarded her, which means he was mindful of her. He thought highly of her. He looked upon her with favor. Now, it's entirely possible that there were other Jewish girls like Mary who, could, who God who could have chosen for to be the mother of Messiah, but God chose Mary. God chooses to have a relationship with each of us just like he choose, chose to have a relationship with Mary. He gave Mary an important assignment. He gave her, Joseph, an important sign, but he chooses to have a relationship with each of us. Now, let me talk to you a minute. The Christmas story began with a desire that God had to provide a means to resolve the problem that had come into the world. The fact that sin had entered this world and caused separation. It caused a, a separation between the creator and the creation. That this desire is to provide us with a solution that we needed. It's hands down, this is the greatest gift that God has ever given us. Man, Christmas presents can come and go, but this is the greatest Christmas present that we have ever been given, which is the birth of Jesus Christ, who's the Savior of the world. The greatest present ever given to any of us was Jesus Christ. God gave us a special present because of his unconditional love, because he loved us. And God loves us more than anything in the world. Friends, I'm going to tell you, God desires to have a relationship with each of us, and he offers heaven as a free gift. It's not something we've earned. It's not something we even deserve, but he offers us just the same. John 3:16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believed in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the greatest passage of Scripture in the whole Bible. God loved us so much. Ephesians 2, 8, by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Man is a sinner. We can't save ourselves. We need a Savior. Romans 3, 23 says this, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin creates a separation between us and God, and we can't get to God because of it, and he can't get to us because of it. But, But through the saving work of Jesus Christ, we have salvation, and we can have eternal life in heaven. Romans ten thirteen says this, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it doesn't matter what you've done. 
It doesn't matter what you thought about doing. It doesn't matter what you haven't done. It says in the Bible, if you call on the name of the Lord, that he's just, he'll forgive you, and he'll write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Friends, I want to tell you, and I tell you this every week because it's so important to me, when our time on this earth is over and our time is short, we don't, we're not promised our next breath. We might not make it out this door or back this evening. And so the thing is, we want to make sure that we know where we're going to spend eternity because eternity is too long to be wrong. And either you're going to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ and God the Father and the Holy Spirit, or we're going to spend eternity completely separated from him in hell. And that's not where we want to be. And did the choices that we make on this earth determine where we spend eternity? Maybe you'd like to know and make sure that you're going to spend eternity with God the Father in heaven. The Bible says, Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's just that simple. God didn't make it complicated for us. He made it very simple. He said, if you invite me into your heart, you turn your life over to me, you let me do the leading, you do the following, I'll guide you along the way, I'll never steer you wrong. I'll take care of you, and all you got to do is have faith in me, and I'll guide you the whole way. It's just that simple. It's a simple thing. In a moment, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. If you do not know this Jesus Christ that I'm telling you about, I'd love to talk to you more about him this morning. I'd love to show you and teach you and, and guide you how to bring him into your life. It'll make a different person. It'll change your life like never before. Maybe there's others that need to come to the altar in prayer. Our deacons would love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you, whatever the issue. I know that you can pray right where you are, but maybe there's something you want to thank God for. Maybe there's something you want to lay at the feet of Jesus. The altar is open for you. Whatever the decisions, in a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. It's a time when we sing. It's a time of, 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 time of meditation, but I want you to make it a vertical time of relationship with God the Father. It's not, no looking around. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. All is important is what you're doing with the Father, what you're doing with this time. Father God, I come before you with a humble heart. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the promises that are in your word. And God, I'm a special thankful for Jesus Christ. God, the fact that you looked upon us, the fact that you did not want to give up on us, a sinful person like myself. God, I just pray and I'm so thankful that you chose to send Jesus to save us from ourselves. Father, if there's one person in the sound of my voice that does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, I pray that this day would be the day that they would come to know you. Father, I pray that you bless in this time of our invitation this morning. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.